You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Good morning, everyone. I've got a feeling that we're not quite as alive or awake as what we could be on a glorious summer's end of the week. It's uh, yeah, no, that's right. Okay, so let me explain that. We are considering getting ready for our um, our uh, recording, video recording. We're considering investing in some blinds to stop the reflection from the shed across the road and just during the preaching time to see whether that makes a difference. So just ignore those black curtains at the start, at the front of the, uh, the foyer. They're not there permanently. That's just a trial to see whether we can, uh, whether it actually makes a difference on camera just during the preaching time of uh, getting rid of some of the harsh, harsh sunlight. So how about, because they're there today, how about, Ian, can we turn on some more house lights? Because um, I'm desperately handsome and people... Want to see me? I got a new couch in my office this week, and you know what? The first thing came into her mind when she saw it. Oh, that's a bit embarrassing. Ah, that you'd like to take it home. That's right. That's where I sleep during the week, just just to get ready for my one day of work. Good morning. Good morning. Um, <laughs> I've got a preaching shirt on today and everything. Um. I'm excited to see you, and I don't know everyone here today, there are some people who, whose faces are unfamiliar to you, me, and I'm sure they are to some of the people in our family, but if you're visiting with us today, our church family would love to put their hands together for you, to thank you for being here, and uh, wherever you're from, or if, however you've come to be here today, whether you have friends in the room or family, uh, it really is great to see you, and thank you for um, choosing to invest some of your time this weekend to spend with us. I've got a feeling that God wants to do something good today. So I'm going to ask you just to reposition yourself. Now, I don't mean change seats. Maybe you could do that if you, if you wanted to. How about you just... That sowing and reaping picture. Why don't we just pray for the soil of our heart this morning? Can you do that? Holy, holy... The book of Hebrews finishes with a verse that says, It is good for our hearts to be strengthened with grace. And Holy Spirit, today we thank you for your grace that is poured out upon every heart today. Your unmerited and undeserved love, your favour, your empowering presence upon us. You favour me. You love me just because of who you are. Father, I thank you for your eternal and undying love for me. That motivated you to give the most precious gift so you can call me your own. Thank you today for sending Jesus for me. For God so loved me that he gave his only son. I thank you today for Jesus. I thank you that he paid the price that I will never have to pay. That he became sin so that I may become the righteousness of God as a gift of your loving kindness. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that when Jesus left, you came and that we are not on our own, but you are my ever-present help in time of need. The God who is in me the God who surrounds me, 
the God who is upon me. I thank you today, you clothe me. You wear me like a glove, you clothe me today. Holy. And Dad, I just make myself aware of your presence today. I just share this moment with you. I am yours. And on the count of three, I want you to just ask God to drop one word into your heart today for you. And it will happen pretty fast because the spirit speed is quicker, quick. So Lord, what is a word that you are wanting to impress upon me today on the count of one, two, three? Okay. Hands up who, who heard God say something to them that means something to them. Maureen, what was that for you? Just the word joy, Joe. Is your hand up? No? Georgina? Pardon? Beloved. Man. Friendship. Wow. The word grace. Tiffany. Help in time of need. Timber. Okay. Either something being built up or something coming down. The word love. Peace. All right. Trust. Heather. Consider. All right. I felt an impression as we were praying before our meeting today. And I've said this before, so it's nothing particularly unique possibly. But while God wants to speak with all of us, he wants to speak to each of us. And there's a difference, okay? God has a word for all of us, but God has a word for each of us. And I trust today that in the allness of something that God is wanting to speak, there is an eachness that you leave today that means something to you. So I think we're in for a great day. Good morning. It is nice to see you. I've already said that. Okay, let's... Um, let's, uh, let's uh, if you have a Bible, open to Romans... Chapter 12, thank you Mr. Toop, just for you. So, Romans in the 12th chapter. And I am going to ask you to do something that I've only asked once or twice, but I just felt it would be important for today. Next month I'm travelling to New Zealand, uh, to Christchurch. It's my sixth year in a row and the first overseas trip for me this year. I'll be going with Rob Rufus. We're doing a conference together with our friends Gideon and Catherine Hochendijk. Um, Dutchies, and um, they, uh, they lead a church in Christchurch called Harmony, been there for six years in a row. Catherine, remember, was one of the speakers at Wild and Free last year. Girls, yep, ladies. So um, we're going to their church, and they, I don't know whether this is from their Dutch tradition or whether this is just something that they own, but at the start of Gideon's preaching, whenever he's preaching, he reads a portion of Scripture, and in order to, as a sign of respect for that word, he asks his congregation to stand as they read the Word of God together. Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, Paul's an apostle in the New Testament, one of the greatest leaders and one of the authors of most of the first century scriptures. And uh, he wrote to a young guy he was mentoring called Timothy. And he said, Timothy, mate, I want you to devote yourself to publicly reading scripture, then to preaching it and to teaching it. Publicly read it, preach it and teach it. People explain this different ways, but for me... 
Preaching and teaching are a little bit different. Preaching is like proclaiming truth. This is true, y'all. And everyone says, Amen, y'all. Whereas teaching is more explaining truth. Okay, this is how it works. This is why, here's, here's how this works together. So preaching and teaching, in my mind, that's how that works. But before he said you preach and teach, he said, I want you to devote yourself to publicly reading the scripture. Because if those of you who are reading through the Bible this year on our chronological reading plan, as you will discover, even though you may not understand every word you're reading, it's just good for you to read the book. All right. After after the opening chapters of Genesis, the most debated and misunderstood book in the whole Bible is the book of Revelation. A lot of people have different views as to how we're supposed to understand that. And it, it is in that book that the author of Revelation says, blessed is he who reads the prophecy. He doesn't say blessed is he who understands every word. All right. Blessed is he who reads it. So I have an understanding that there is a level of blessing for just reading the thing. Okay. So what I'm about to do is I want us to, well, I'll read out loud Romans chapter 12. And this might be for you the highlight of my preaching today because it won't be my words. It'll be God's words. All right. Direct. So why don't you stand to your feet? I want to read Romans 12. I feel very echoey here. Bruv, is there a speaker we could turn off here? Bruv. Yeah. You know, I'm turning 40 this year, so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be woke, which kind of means cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read from the New Living. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will accept. When you think of what he's done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you'll know how good, pleasing, and perfect his will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. Measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If you're gifted to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then do it generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you and don't curse them, but pray that God will bless them. 
Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weeping. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. In fact, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge and I'll pay him back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but you conquer evil by doing what is good. This is the word of the Lord. And everybody said, take your seats. (laughs) Hey, some traditions can be good. Last week, I spoke on the subject that God has spoken to me in a uh, prophetic prayer time that we had as an eldership at the start of the year, and God had given me a word for us for this season on the, the subject of momentum. I took notes during that prophetic time, and it looks something like this. Here's my minutes, okay? So it's a bit of a squiggle. There's a few things as God was saying stuff and writing them down. But uh, in there, right in the thick of things, was this word momentum, where I felt God talk about maximizing momentum And in the process of a momentum, he was saying, don't say, I don't deserve this. I'm not going to summarize last week too much, but essentially last week, I just introduced the concept of momentum. It was a very conceptual type of of teaching, right? It was basically saying, this is what momentum is. This is how momentum works. Momentum, the benefits of momentum is you get stuff you don't deserve. Because over time, like a snowball that's rolling down a hill, things just gather get bigger and get faster and once momentum kicks in generally speaking it's unstoppable although nothing is ever unstoppable so momentum should never be taken for granted momentum conceptually is where you have essentially three things mass movement and meaningful direction in order for momentum to be worthwhile it needs to have a meaning it needs to have somewhere to go momentum is not possible without mass and so I spoke about a sense of the importance of unity of coming together not just individuals doing their own thing but a sense of massive unity together and with that mass also emotion or moving forward we're not just together we're moving together we're moving together for a meaningful purpose that's about as much as I'll say about last week but I wanted to read this passage of scripture and in a sense be a little bit more practical today it's not really my style like last week to kind of just mention a scripture or mention a prophetic word and, and just sort of build a, a preach on that. People have different preaching styles and you can read good articles about that on the interwebs. But my more main style is what I'm wanting to come into today. I want to use Romans 7 and I want to speak about these seven gifts that we read about in Romans chapter 7, which for the sake of today, I'm going to call the momentum gifts. All right, we just read them. If a man's gift is leadership, let him lead. If it's being generous, be generous. If it's showing hospitality, do that. We're going to look at those seven gifts. Today I'm going to call them the momentum gifts. And in a very broad sense, these seven things are all characteristics of Christ. So they are all things that all of us can operate in. Okay, Just because Romans 7 says um, if, a, if someone's gift is, is being generous, 
then be generous. It doesn't mean that the rest of us say, well, that's, my, that's not my gift, I'll be stingy. Okay. Be, or, or if a man's gift or a person's gift is mercy, then be mer- Well, mercy's not my thing, I'm harsh. Okay, that's just me, that's my gift. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. All of those characteristics are characteristics of Christ. So in a very broad sense, as we clothe ourselves with Jesus, we wear those characteristics. And as we want to become more like him, we will grow in each of these seven characteristics. But the specific context of Romans 12 is saying that each of you may hold one of these in a specific, unique way. In a way that, in a sense, flicks your switch. In a way that, in a sense, floats your boat. Where generosity is not just something that we are. Oh, you were always generous because I'm like Jesus. No, generosity is really something that floats your boat. That's your thing. And that's sort of the context of Romans 12. God has given us grace and we all, in a sense, have, this, have received a general grace from God to know Christ and to be like Him in a general sense. But we've also received unique grace to reflect a part of him in greater ways than others so that you can have a, almost like a specialty in a certain area. And together, as we come together with our each uniqueness, together we reveal Jesus in a great way. So this Romans 12 passage is a real corporate, hmm, sounds a bit businessy, it's a real um, communion, it's a real community, it's a real collective passage of Scripture. It's a collective metaphor. The body of Christ is a collective metaphor and each of us has a part to play. So today I want to talk about the momentum gifts. Are you ready? I'm going to do some preaching. I'm going to do some teaching. I've already read the scripture and you did that really well. So congratulations. Um, There's seven gifts listed in this list. In 1 Corinthians 14, there's nine spiritual gifts. Um, which is probably three sets of three. I'm not one that believes there are only nine gifts of the Spirit. I just believe that's a literary device that Paul used to make a point because he's Hebrew and that's what they do, right? Three times three. And then in Ephesians 4, there's another gift, uh, list of gifts which some people call the fivefold gifts of Christ, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, which I see as a sevenfold gift. Because in that passage it says Jesus has given these five gifts to equip the saints. So again, there's a seven, there's a complete picture. Five's the number of grace, but it's Jesus giving those five to equip the saints. So there's actually seven there. This is one of the things that, you know, you don't want to get too weird about. But uh, biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, the Hebrew understanding, numbers can, like names can be really important. All right, So you don't get a bit go do crazy with it but you'll notice these things every now and again when you read the scripture there are seven momentum gifts and the first one is this faith full prophecy everyone say faithful it's not really a word okay i kind of made that up but i did that for a point faith hyphen full prophecy romans 12 6 if your gift is prophesying then prophesy in accordance with your faith I don't know what translation you have, but different translations pick up on the fact that it doesn't literally say prophesy in accordance to your faith. Um, It just says prophesy in accordance with faith. So in Young's Living, which is an awkward, clunky translation, but it's the most literal, not Young's Living, that's oil, Young's literal uh, translation. (laughs) 
Young's literal translation. Uh, he says, prophesying uh, in proportion to faith. So we're not entirely sure whether people who prophesy are encouraged to do so in accordance with the confidence they have or whether they're to do so in accordance with the faith, the Christian faith. So if you prophesy, make sure it's in line with Christian theology. Or whether he's saying prophesy in accordance with the faith of the person you're speaking to. Because sometimes you may see something over a person and your discernment will say, I'm not sure whether they can handle all of this. So I'm going to meet them where they're at. You can talk about that over lunch. The point is, prophesy in proportion to faith. Maybe all three of those are true. That when God speaks something to prophetic people, they do so with the confidence that they have. They do so in line with Christian theology, in, 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 in line with the faith, and also to understand the person that they're speaking to and to prophesy in accordance with where that person and their confidence is at. Maybe all of those are true. And so that's why I've called this faithful prophecy. In the New Testament, it's very clear that prophecy is designed to strengthen, edify, and encourage people. Prophecy is basically hearing what God says and communicating that to other people. It's about strengthening, encouraging, and comforting people. And the reason it is a momentum gift is that because prophecy helps propel people to focus on the future and to keep moving forward. So listen, God's got good stuff in store for you. So keep on moving. It builds mass because prophecy joins our heart together with the heart of God. So we're hearing what God is saying and it provides motion because we've given us some meaningful direction in which to walk as we continue to keep in line with him. And sometimes the prophetic may seem challenging, but when we have a New Testament, when we have our mind renewed to the way the new covenant works, we are to hear prophecy in a new covenant way. I need an example. In the book of Acts, there's a group of guys praying and there's a guy there called Agabus and he picks up in the spirit that there's going to be a real bad famine that comes on Jerusalem. Picks up the fact there's going to be a famine. That's not encouraging, strengthening or edifying when you've got family in Jerusalem. Okay? So if you have an old covenant, if you have a legalistic mentality, then you hear that word from your spirit and you go, there's a famine coming, that's because God is judging them. You make a conclusion. Because of the way I think, that means God is pouring out wrath upon them. But what did the New Testament church do? There's a famine coming to Jerusalem. With a New Testament understanding, we say, let's provide help to them. Okay? So I've heard something that seems to be a bit of a warning. I don't get afraid about it or form view of God doing something. No, I form a new covenant understanding. I hear that word and in my new covenant grid, I say, I'm going to be, be a part of the solution to that pending problem. There's a family here today whose seven-year-old daughter had a dream this week of her brother's bedroom burning with fire. Woke up, mum and dad, I saw a brother next door, his, his bedroom was on fire. And that week, that next day, that morning at school, that son had something quite confronting happen at school. I'm talking to the parents, they had this dream. I said, listen, you don't hear that dream of your son's bedroom being on fire and now get scared and go, oh, hell's breaking loose on my son. You take that word, it was a warning to show you that what happened at school the next day, you're supposed to take seriously. 
Okay? Don't play with fire. So do something about what happened, but do so on the basis that I know this is a serious issue, so I'm going to take courage that I can be part of the solution to that challenge. Okay? So I'm not really a feely person. Okay? I'm more of a facts over feelings type of guy. Yeah, thank you, darling. But this... <laughs> so, you know, I'm not one to say, if, someone, if you hear a prophecy and it makes you feel, um, feel sad or feel depressed or whatever, then that prophecy wasn't of God. Okay? Not necessarily. Because you might hear a prophecy and in your mind needs to be renewed as to how I interpret that. If your mind is shaped negatively, then you can in, interpret that in a negative way and it's not that person's fault or that word's fault, it's actually your fault for having a bad grid. Okay? So, or you can hear that word and go, it made me feel bad. Well, it made you feel bad because you're not thinking right. Okay? <laughs> so, adjust your thinking. Facts over feelings. Okay? Adjust. The facts are God's on your side. So, let's look for the redemptive side of that prophetic word. Strengthening, edifying and encouraging. Now, I'm not talking about when someone prophesies and you get a niggle in your spirit. Like, eh, 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 warning bells. This person's weird, or this is just not right. That's different. I'm talking about when you hear something and it just, oh, I'm now confused. Therefore, that mustn't be God. No, it may, may have been God, but your grid needs to change. Okay, I think we're, personal opinion, we live in a society where we take our initial feelings too much, and that's why we have such an offence culture in our society because I was offended, I felt bad, therefore that must be wrong. No, maybe you're offended because your thinking needs to change, okay? Maybe, maybe you need to stop and evaluate and evaluate your, the way you think so you can bring the best out of that situation. The point is, if you have a prophetic word from God, prophesy according to your faith or the person's faith or according to the faith, a new covenant way of thinking, prophesy that way and when you do so, the results will be the intended result of Holy Spirit is to be encouraging, strengthening and edifying for other people. And everyone said, that's true. All right, before the service, I spoke to three people. Do I have a microphone here, Jake, if you want one? And I asked three or four people just to see whether they picked up a word of encouragement, prophetic word of encouragement for someone today. Those three or four people, if you picked up something, quickly come to the front. Oh, Jade's one of them. Okay. Just be brief, guys. So I saw a couple and during this week, um, you've been having a conversation and I don't know if both of you are here today, but if one of you is here, that's fine. Um, and whilst you were having this conversation, you said this problem is too big, it's a mountain. Has anyone had that conversation this week? That's fine. No? Okay. Do you have someone, something to say to that person? Okay, come see Jay later. You really should be putting up your hand if that's you, because that's to encourage. You have Joan? Okay. How about, how about late? Well, either just say something briefly now or have a word. I'll say really briefly have a pri- now. Have a private word later, yep. So you felt like the problem was a mountain, and I just saw an ice cap on top of the mountain, and I just said, I just felt like God was saying, let me into this problem. And as, um, as you allowed him to come into the problem, I saw the ice melting, and, um, and it was God revealing that there was like a river running down and through the mountain. And he said, I have got you. I've got you in this problem. And oh, I'm sorry, I'm actually really nervous and I shouldn't be. Oh, because I'm shaking. 
I want to say it for everyone. Sometimes when we look at mountains, we just see the mountain. But sometimes we need to look to God because his solution is far bigger than the mountain. And he needs us to either climb the mountain to grow so that we can become all that he's called us to. Or like in this situation, the ice was melting and there was a river forming. And I felt like you were able to cross the river. That the solution is on the other side of the mountain. And as you cross the river, as you went through the waters, through the waters of God's love, he just wanted to reveal a different way around that mountain. Does that make sense? That's all I can share. I can, I can say more personally. Say more personally. How many of you know there's a difference between doing that and going to someone and saying, I just felt the word hopelessness over you? <laughs> Was that right? That's right? Oh, good. Yeah, oh, great. I heard God. Awesome. Okay. No, strengthening, edifying and encouraging. Great. I don't know if any of you saw this week that sea fog that came in. And, and while I was walking and just asking God to show me, I saw the sea fog. And it, the, the bluff was gone. Everything was gone. All you could see is the fog. And God said to me, some of you are only seeing the fog and that you need to walk through because that's fear. And I'm waiting in the fog with my arms open. Don't be afraid. Just walk through the fog my love is waiting to hold you. All right, everyone close your eyes. Any, that resonated with you today? Just put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, I take Maureen's word today. That's for me. I thank you that the fog of fear, I will walk forward today. I will walk forward into and through the fog of fear and I'll meet Jesus today. I take that and I say yes and Amen. Thank you for speaking to me. Amen. What's up, Rav? Uh, I got a, a number. Um, the number I got, well, first of all, I saw a picture of a, a calendar and the number 27 was highlighted. And it could be, I believe it's a date, but it could be the 2nd of the 7th. Or the seventh of the second, or just the day of um, twenty-seven, has some meaning to someone, and the the number was red, so it could have a negative meaning to it. But God gave me the word that He's going to use that day in someone's life for prosperity. And he gave me the verse, Isaiah 61, 3, I give you joy for mourning, uh, ashes, what is it, ashes? Instead of sadness, beauty for Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning. So, yeah, if that's you, come see me afterwards. I'd love to pray for you. Cool. Just for a quick show of hands now, does the 27th of this month, it's a Tuesday, does someone have a significant thing happening that day? that that's a red thing on your calendar or something significant Louis does? You got a baby due on that on the, oh, on the next day? Anyone else at that 27th, really? Okay. I, I just felt that there might be a first thing, the 27th of Feb, so I'm happy to, have, to maybe have missed that if that's not anyone. But if it is, go see Jake afterwards, okay? So take that. Take that. I want you to thank these three guys for that courage to come and, uh, and just share something. So faith, full prophecy, adds momentum. 
And uh, that, may, that is something that all of us can do because all of us can hear God and you can do this in your workplace. You can hear God whisper something to you and not say, thus saith the Lord, but just speak a word of encouragement over someone uh, in, in a way. You can, you can add momentum to any environment by speaking God's word in the faithful way. Amen? Take that on board. Number two, practical service. Verse 7 says, if a, gift, if a man's gift is serving... Then let him serve. The Greek word there is the word diakonos, which it, it, it essentially communicates very, very practical service. That's why I put the word practical there. Number two, a, a gift that builds momentum is practical service. It's the same word used for Martha when she's preparing for the dinner. In Acts chapter 6, when there's a group of leaders who are appointed to minister to wait on tables with people. And serving produces momentum in the life of a business or in the life of a church or in the life of your family. Um, number one, because one of the things that service does is it takes restrictions out of the way. Just doing practical service, washing feet, took a restriction out of the way when Jesus was eating with his, with his friends. Okay? And serving builds momentum uh, and it propels, propels a group of people forwards. And I don't think we should ever underestimate the power of just getting on with the job and serving in practical ways. And for some of you, that's your love language. Not only your love language to receive that, but for some of you, that of these seven is your primary gift that just flicks your switch. You love getting in early and sweeping the floors. You love being the last to leave and packing up and packing down. You love just doing tasks that you know need doing to help facilitate pe other people. And that is an awesome, awesome thing. Those of you who cook meals when we have mums that have babies, that's an awesome thing. Those of you who get here on a Saturday to set up this auditorium for Sunday meal, that is an awesome thing. Practically serving in little ways. Never underestimate the value of practical service. And for some of you, that's your shtick. So do it passionately. Amen. Where are our people that volunteer in our kitchen here on a Sunday week after week and serve coffees and work on the barista? Where are you today? Could you please stand? Those of you who volunteer in our kitchen space, come on, stand now. These guys provide a happy, practical service week after week. And as of last week, we started having coffee before our service, so we've asked them to do even more. Would you please thank our growing kitchen team? Thank you. Thank you for your practical service. Number three, the third gift, verse 7 says, If it is teaching, then let him teach. If it's teaching, then let him teach. Teaching truth is number three. If I had to choose one of these seven that I thought really flicked my switch the most, as much as I love the others, I would probably say this is number one for me because teaching builds momentum because it gets people on the same page and to have momentum you need mass but good teaching doesn't just get people thinking the same way good teaching also propels people ideally hopefully into activity into propelling people forward that's why i say when i preach and teach i always want to engage people's heads their hearts and their hands Okay, I want you to leave a message. A good teaching for me is something that makes you go, I learned something. My 
I was intellectually stimulated today. I learned something. My mind has been renewed today. That touched my heart today because Holy Spirit was on those words. It was not just academic, but I met Holy Spirit. That touched my emotion today. And I want to leave with something practical that I can do with my hands. I believe that good teaching does that. I believe that good teaching both secures our confidence and stirs our curiosity. Those of you watching my YouTube videos at the moment on how to read the Bible through, I'm hoping in those it makes you confident as you read the Scriptures, yet at the same time makes you think and makes you curious because the way that you will learn the best is when you ask your own questions and get your own answers. The best revelation I've had is not hearing from a preacher. The best profound revelation I've had was when I have asked questions and myself have discovered the answer. And so curiosity is a good thing because curiosity gets you asking questions. And if I can stir, good teaching stirs your thinking, stirs your curiosity so you can go and dig out treasures for yourself. Good teaching gets us on the same page. And that's why one of the things that's happening in our grow groups now week after week, some of our grow groups are taking the notes from Sunday's message because those grow groups are there to help propel momentum, corporate or communal momentum in the life of the church to say, this is what God said. Let's see how we can apply that and dig deeper into those truths. So thanks to the grow groups for doing that because teaching truth is a momentum gift. Are you still with me? Number four, this is going to be for some of you. Personal encouragement. Everyone say, encourage. I'll come do it encouragingly. Say, encourage. Personal encouragement. I I use the word personal because where it says, if a man's gift is encouraged, let him encourage. Yeah, good one. The word there is parakletos. How many of you have heard that word before? You, You know, impress everyone that you know Greek, right? Parakletos. Para means along. Side and Kletos is a helper essentially, okay, or a comforter or an exhorter. It's the same description given to Holy Spirit. That's why I say personal encouragement because this type of encouraging gift is the one that comes alongside someone, not necessarily pulpit encouragement, but personal encouragement. Personal encouragement, it's a momentum gift. Because encouragement says to people, I believe in you. English, I think this comes from Latin, but encourage, en means in, encourage means courage. (laughs) Profound. Language expert, obviously. Encourage. So to encourage someone means to put courage into someone. To put courage into someone. To say you can do it. Discouragement does exactly the opposite. It, lacks, it, it brings a negative momentum. Because discouragement means people shrink. They don't believe in themselves or don't believe that they can do it. Encouragement is vitally important. And the world needs encouragement more than ever before. One of my favourite voices at the moment for the last six months has been a, I've been listening to a Canadian psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson. And uh, one of his videos just three weeks ago went viral, which is happening with him more and more. He was interviewed by a woman in, called Kathy Newman on Channel 4 in the UK and about his new book. 
And uh, it went viral because of the way she interviewed him. It's really interesting to watch. Really interesting. And um, anyway, the point is, his, his book primarily is written for men, or his audience is primarily men. And she says, why, why do you think there's this crisis in masculinity? What's, what's caused this crisis in men? And she wasn't really interested in the answer because she's a very avid modern-day feminist. Okay, modern-day feminist. So you, you see that in the interview. But he says this. He says, some men, many of the men who listen to my recordings in their 20s and 30s, there are many men who grow up their entire life without hearing one word of personal encouragement. And he said, my message is simple. I'm just saying to people, and men are really catching on to it, that they've got something to give to the world. They've got a contribution that will make the world a better place. And that's what's gaining traction. It just really hit me. Some men grow up their whole life without hearing a word of personal encouragement. Scripture says, encourage one another every day. And for some of you, this is your thing. You're not going to get up and do a pulpit encouragement, but you can do personal encouragement. And I want to implore you, please do it. Please. Get alongside people and speak words that put courage into them. It is really, really important. Mentors, older people that you've lived life, you've got scars on your back. You've got a history behind you. You know what it's like to be in your 20s and 30s. Get alongside young people and encourage them. And encourage doesn't just mean slapping people on the back. I was talking to a pastor friend recently who's like us. He's got a group of people in his church that he invites to preach. And he sat down with one of them recently, privately, after he'd preached. And this is a guy that's been in his church, on his leadership, preached for him for about 10 years. And he said, mate, you know what? You preach great on Sunday, but I noticed something that you do that would make your sermons even better. And he basically gave him a coaching, correcting, adjusting, whatever word you think is appropriate. And this guy didn't respond very well. Took it emotionally, did not take it well, got quite offended and upset. And a day or two later when they chatted again, because my friend was very surprised at this, and they reflected, it was all fine, they they came together, he realised what had happened. And my mate said to him, you know what, 10 years of patting you on the back every Sunday has not made your back stronger. I thought, what a great phrase. Ten years of just patting you on the back has not made your back stronger and it hasn't really made our relationship stronger for you to react in the way that you did. And the other guy realised that. He goes, yeah, because there's more to encouragement than just slapping on the back. Okay, Encouragement is speaking words that can be strong at times when you uh, have the benefit of the other person in your mind. Coaching is a great word and I want to encourage you who are personal encourage you. You love getting alongside people and you know you see it in their eyes that it matters to them. Please do that more and more. Number six. Number five. Generous giving. Assist momentum. If a man's gift is generosity, then let him give generously. Some translations say, then let him give with simplicity. This is the funny thing about Greek. There can be multi-layered meanings. Okay. So one of the meanings of that word in generous means bountifully, liberally. Some translations say liberally. Other translations say with simplicity because both those meanings are in that word. If you have the gift of generosity, then do it liberally. 
but do it with single focus. In the book of Acts, chapter 4 or 5, when people sold houses and lands and gave it to the apostles, there's this great phrase. It says, they laid the money at the apostles' feet. They were generous, but they were single-focused in their giving where they just said, this gift is coming with no strings attached. There it is. And that is all involved in that word. Generous and simple, single, single motive giving. It actually means purity, a pure motive. Purely giving, no strings attached. And that kind of giving is an incredible momentum builder. On the day Rob and Maureen started, planted their church 13 years ago, Victor Harbour, 14 years ago, Southern Gateway Community Church. I rocked up, we rocked up there at their door. We were a church of maybe 30 people at the time and I rocked up to their first Sunday service half an hour before with a check from the offering from this church. We took up a gift for a new church plant in our area and I gave that to Rob and I said, mate, here's a gift, no strings attached. This is from the church down the road. We're with you, we're for you, we love this church, go for it. And Rob fed back later. The words he said was, when I announced that to our congregation that morning, it brought such a lift to the room. That's what generosity does. Liberal giving, no strings attached, it just brings a lift. This has happened time. See, all of us are called to be generous because it's the quality of Christ. But some of you, that is your thing. You love nothing more than to do that. Recently, we announced some... Over the years, we've announced things, generous things that we want to do as a church. It happened recently where we announced some redevelopment we wanted to do for our video equipment. Someone came up to me that day and said, I'll give half of that because God spoke to me this morning. And as soon as he's... I just got this lift... It gave instant impetus because that person's gift is generous giving. It's their thing. And that's a commendable thing and it's a great momentum builder. And for those of you who have that gift and grace on your life, do it generously and do it hilariously. Because God loves a cheerful giver. The gift brings the lift. Two more. Diligent leadership is number six. Diligent leadership. It says there, we read in Romans... If a man's gift is leading, then let him do it diligently. The word lead is the same as the word govern, and it's the same word in Timothy where it talks about husbands leading their families and elders leading the church. And it means to stand before. To stand before. Leaders do not stand over. How many of you know what a standover man is? Yeah, you watch The Godfather, you know, those sort of, a standover man. He's the guy with the baseball bat in the back of his car, right? That is not pastors, or it shouldn't be. That is not the way dads should lead their family. It is not the way the elders should lead a church. They are not stand over men, they are stand before. Prostemi is the word, to stand before. A leader is the one who stands before to say, this is what we're doing, and stands in front of to say, now come with me and let's do it. Okay? It is standing before and it says, He who is called to lead, let him do it diligently. Which again is a Greek word that has two connotations. The first is to do so with haste. So I'm going to give you a message. Now go deliver it diligently. means get on with it. Okay, Do so with haste and then to do so with hard work and persistence. To see it through. How many of you love committee meetings 
Hey, there are some people bureaucratically minded that love committee meetings. I hate them. And so over the years, when I've served on a committee for my kids, like at the uh, Port Elliot Kindergarten, I was on the committee there for, for a year or two. Um, my uh, kids' local basketball club, I was on the committee there for three years. And the position that I put up my hand for, from, from doing nothing to doing something, was to be the chair. And it's not because I need to be the top dog. It's because to me, sitting in a meeting that is not led well is agony. And one of the things about leading well is to do so, to see something through to the end, diligently, to see it through to the end and to do so with haste, which means you don't dilly-dally. You get on with it. And some of you here in church, you know, you're, you're, on, you're on a team that I lead, that I sit around, and we do our social thing, and then at 7 o'clock I'm like, all right, everyone shut up now, we're getting on with the meeting, this is what we need to do. I'm down to it, not dilly-dally, we're not wasting time, it is an issue of haste. When you lead... You do so diligently, which is do so clearly, do so concisely, do so intentionally, and do so and you follow things through. That is good leadership. And our world, forget the church for a moment, well don't forget the church, both our church and our world are desperate for good leadership. Desperate for good leadership. Why are we so frustrated at the moment, we, generally speaking, Australia, with, with, with Canberra? Okay? You know, Okay, so there's just something about someone who stands up, and I don't care what you think about Mr. Trump's personality or his tweets, but for a guy to stand up and say, this is what we're doing and has made stuff happen, that is a leader who is acting in haste and for some things at least is seeing through as best as he can. The world needs that. We need people to govern diligently and so even though leadership might not be your thing because honestly for me I don't actually it's not my primary thing I can do it it's like a tool in my belt I can take it out when I need to but it takes more energy for me to do that than some of than like teaching for example it's not my primary grace gift that really floats my boat okay doesn't mean you can't be good at something but it just means it's not the thing that really energizes you and I'm a bit the same with leading but some of you you're the same it's not really your thing but when you do have a space where you need to lead, because at least, at the very least, you need to lead your own life. Jesus leads my life. Well, he's given you authority <laughs> to lead your life with him. Okay? Because if you're not leading your life, then you're giving someone else control over you. Okay? It's called personal responsibility. So at the very least, we lead our own life. We take responsibility for ourselves, And there are just times where we just need to do a diligent job which just means I'm doing this, I'm not going to dilly-dally, I'm going to make that decision. Exercising, been putting it off for five years, dang it, I'm just going to make the decision, I'm just going to do it. Reading through the Bible in a year, okay, I've, I've, I've tried that before, I'm just going to do it, I just make a decision. Don't dilly-dally, make a decision, do it in haste or do it now and carry it through. Lead and do so diligently. Some of you, it's your thing, you love it. How many of you know some people just have a leadership gift on their life. They, they just can't help but lead. You go out for dinner and they're just the one calling the shots. And not because they're bossy, they just want things done. Some people, it's just their thing. But for the rest of us, it's something that every now and again we just have to decide to do. If you're going to lead, do it diligently. Continue moving on, Chad. Last point. Everyone say seven.
the momentum gifts of Romans 12. Number one, faithful prophecy. Practical service, teaching truth, personal encouragement, generous giving, diligent leadership, and cheerful mercy. Verse 8 there in Romans 12 said, If it is showing mercy, then let them do it cheerfully. When it comes to momentum, to a group of people moving forward, and over time that thing gathering speed and moving quickly, if we do not demonstrate mercy, then we will neglect and potentially hurt the weak, the frail, those who are just a little bit slow on the uptake, and those who maybe are a little bit lame. The scripture says, Isaiah talks about God being a shepherd, and it says he gently leads those who have young. He is aware of where people are at, and in his shepherding, moving forward, He's aware of those who have young and he gently leads them. If we are not merciful, then with all our momentum, the people that will be hurt the most are those who are actually weak and frail and need a little more time and people will be unnecessarily hurt or left behind in the process. And so James 3 says that God's wisdom is full of mercy. James 5 says the Lord is full of compassion and full of mercy so that's why you can be part of churches businesses other organizations whatever who make adjustments in the way that they do things we're making a shift we're making a move we're doing this and if that boat turns too fast without a mercy heart for those who may not be as strong as others it'll cause unnecessary hurt we need with our propelling and moving forward to be a people who demonstrate mercy. And some of you, that's your thing. And if that's your thing, let me make a point of this. Every one of these nouns in this passage has a verb. This is the gift, do it like this. This is the gift, do it like this. This is the gift, do it like this. With mercy, it says if someone's gift is mercy, let them do it cheerfully and it's the same word used in Corinthians about giving it's the word hilaros if your gift is mercy then do it with a big smile on your dial because there is a difference between showing mercy to someone and just feeling sorry for them there is a difference between showing someone pity and showing someone mercy because pity or sorrow just wears the emotion, comes to the emotion of that situation and you wear that and you take that negative emotion that's carried. You feel pitiful for someone and you, you relate to their emotion, which is helpful, but it can't be the complete picture. Mercy identifies with someone where they're at, but it's done cheerfully because mercy always has hope attached to it. That's why it's a momentum gift. It's not keeping people wallowing in the pain or potentially the self-pity or the weakness. It's identifying that weakness and saying, I want to cheerfully be merciful to you because I have hope for you. 
I acknowledge you're feeling frail. I acknowledge this is going to be a challenge. I know that's tough. I hear what you're saying. But you know what? I know you can do this. You know what? The future's good. I know this change is dramatic. I'm finding it difficult as well. But I know this is God and I know we can move with this. Come on, we can do this. Mercy is a cheerful thing. Merciful people should be happy people, not miserable people. I have a gift of mercy. I feel everyone's pain. You know, no, I have a gift of mercy because mercy says there's hope no matter the pain. Mercy is a momentum adding gift because it takes people from where they're wallowing and says, come on, come with me. We can move forward. We might be a little bit slower than the others, but we'll catch up. Come on. I've got hope for us. Let's move on. If someone's gift is mercy, let them do it cheerfully. Let them do it hilariously. And so he goes on to say, love must be sincere. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. But all this is done in view of God's great mercy. And God's mercy was not a wallowing in self-pity. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, God's mercy produced a happy action that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And God gave generously and cheerfully. One of these has got to be your thing. At least more than the others. So have a look again. Holy Spirit, of these seven things, we each have a part to play in this body. I have a part to play in my office. I have a part to play in my class at school. I have a part to play in my family. And while all of these are an aspect and character and quality quality of you, there is one here today that I'm going to say, that's me. I'm going to embrace that. The one that stands out the most to you, that really flicks your switch, is number one, faithful prophecy. You want to say, Lord, I want to operate in that more and more for your glory. Why don't you stand to your feet just now? Make a stand. Just make a stand. That's me. I want that one. Father, we say, increase, increase, increase in these precious people. Come on. Amen. You guys stay standing. Some of you with practical service, that's my thing. That's my contribution. Why don't you stand to your feet? I love serving. Stand with these people. Beautiful. What a noble task. Father, we thank you for your empowering presence that enables and capacitates these precious, precious servants. And I pray more and more they would find their place and walk in their grace space. Number three, how many of you really just love teaching and encouraging publicly, whether it's uh, kids, adults, instructing people? Yeah, come on, home group leaders I'm seeing stand up. Great, great. Come on. Why don't you put your hand in your heart? Take this seriously. Father, I pray today for a fresh grace. A fresh grace. For, that word in teaching is also meant instruction because it's about applied teaching. A f- fresh grace for insight 
in instructing the people in my world. I take it today. I thank you from today. My teaching gift has a lift. Personal encouragement. Paracleo. Everyone else stay standing. Paracleo, stand up. Wow, oh, that's good news. Far out, that's good news. Far out. Okay, you, you Paracleos, put your hand on your heart. Holy, Dad, I thank you so much for this gift. I thank you for these people. I do something I can't do. I pray, Lord, your supernatural empowerment on the Paracleos in this church, in this house. I pray, Lord, for special insight. I pray, Lord, for strength and confidence to come alongside people and to speak words of wisdom. Not just patting on the back, but words of strength into people's hearts and souls. And those paracleos today, you receive that and say, yes, amen. I take that, Lord. How many of you are love giving? And that's, you just love giving. That's your, wow, come on. Awesome. Bless you. That is awesome. Come on, put your hand on your heart. We want to pray for you too. Holy, what a privilege. What a privilege to represent God in this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his greatest treasure. Dad, I thank you for empowering us as givers. You've put tools in our hand to empower vision, to see projects come to play, into play, to empower people in practical ways. And Lord, again afresh, we commit our finance to you. We commit our generosity to you. Give us creative and wise ideas to steward that which you've given us in a, gener in a generous and simple way. Receive that today. Lord, I pray that you would give creative ideas to our generous givers today. How many of you, your primary thing's leading? That, that's the thing that, that's doing. I think, come on, Marty, I think that's fine. Yeah, great. Leaders in business, leaders in different spheres, developing young leaders, that's awesome. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Make this matter. <laughs> we don't need a keyboard to get us in the mood, all right? Those of you gifted in leading, Dad, I thank you for this incredible gift. I thank you, Lord God, that you give those of us called to lead the diligence to fulfill the task you've given us. I pray for your empowering and your refreshing on these leaders in different spheres, in business, in church, in the world, maybe politics here today. Father God, I pray that you would give us clarity and courage in our calling. And I received a lift to my gift today. All right, where's our mercy-hearted people? One, two, three... Four. Come on, let's pray for our people with mercy. Something we all have, but these people are feeling it primarily today. Father, we just declare. Someone said this morning at the start of the meeting, joy was the word that came to them. Cheerful mercy. We pray for refreshing upon our givers of mercy. As they identify with people in their pain, Father, we thank you that your joy overwhelms, your joy supersedes the sensitivity that they have to the pain and the anxiety of others. We thank you for a fresh release of joy to our mercy-hearted people this morning. Come on, a fresh release of joy 
and liberty in operating in that gift. Thank you for them. Father, we thank you that together, as your body, we represent the multifaceted nature and wisdom of God. We'll never be boxed into one thing because we are created in your likeness. But Lord, we thank you that together we are stronger as we display your nature to the world, as we display your nature also to the invisible world. Let us do that more and more. Thank you for building us as community. Thank you for strengthening us one to another. Thank you for the unique grace on each of us. And I honour and appreciate those around me today for who and what you've called them to be. Holy. Holy. Now before the meeting, Jake just had a word about Holy Spirit clothing people today. We're clothed in Christ and clothed in the Holy Spirit. Why don't you, if you just feel comfortable, just to put your hands or just to be in some type of receiving mode. I know you've just done that individually, but let's just do that again. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the very real and tangible, gentle but strong presence of your Spirit. Comes upon each of us and comes upon all of us. Father, I declare an, an increase of our awareness of your grace upon our shoulders your grace that has clothed us, that we leave today like Joseph who wore the coat that his father gave him, not out of arrogance, but out of respect to his dad. I'll wear that coat. Even though some people misunderstand me, even though some people may have an issue at times that I will wear the coat my father gave me out of respect for my dad who made it just for me. I will be who you've called me to be and I will do what you've called me to do. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for empowering me and enabling me to do that very thing. This has been a podcast from Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.